In this episode, I am chatting with Paula Maidens. She is a hiring and leadership coach. Now, this is a fantastic conversation that we have all about hiring your first team member. So if you are a bit like me and have been on the fence about how you should hire your first team member, how you should go about it, what should you actually do to even get started and to think about it? And also some of those mindset shifts that we need to make, you know, letting go of control, thinking of a new hire as an investment rather than an expense, and some other juicy tips are in this episode. Let's get into it now. Hey, hey there, you are listening to the Boss Motive Podcast, where I'm sharing all the tools, tips, and mindset tricks to build a successful business whilst living a life you love and avoiding the burnout. Ever wondered what it takes to live in a tropical paradise, run successful businesses, and work from home whilst raising kids? Well, listen up, friends, as I'm sharing my story of how I've done this, along with interviews from other incredible entrepreneurs who are also living their best life. My name is Liz Morris, and this is the No BS Podcast, where I'm digging deep into what it actually takes to define your success and live a life you were put on this earth for. Haven't found your motive yet? Coming closer, we may just have the answer. Well, hello, Paula. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. It is so exciting. Now, can you please tell this audience all about yourself, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about you, maybe your family? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm a hiring and leadership coach. And what that means is I help entrepreneurs work out how to build a support team that supports them to have a beautiful life as well as a business of their dreams. So, I truly believe, um, you know, in work-life balance. I know a lot of people talk about that, whether it's possible and that sort of thing. But I truly believe in you as the entrepreneur defining your idea of balance, and then creating a business that supports that balance for you. Um, And hiring people to support you in your business is absolutely key to that. So, that's what I do as a hiring and leadership coach. I'm also a mum. I've got two little boys. We were just talking before we started recording about one is 21 months and one is five and a half years. Um, So, yeah, and and a beautiful husband. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. Oh, lovely. And how long have you been in business for? I've actually been an entrepreneur for 10 years. So, in that 10-year period, I've started three businesses. Yeah. So, this current business, so my hiring as a hiring and leadership coach, um, I've been doing this for nearly five years. So, and I absolutely love it. Oh, fantastic. Now, I'm all about the pivot. That's one thing that I love talking to people about. So, can you share with me what you've done in the past and how you've ended up in this position that you're now doing and that, you know, you're obviously super passionate about, but what led to this path? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my my background is as a corporate recruiter. So I sort of spent five years over in London working for, you know, big global recruitment firm, recruiting for other people. And I moved back to Australia in 2009, 2010 and decided to switch that around a little bit and start supporting businesses how or teaching businesses how to actually hire for themselves and not really need to use recruiters quite so much. Ruffled a few feathers along the way. <laughs> so my first business was it was a much more traditional HR consulting and HR sort of recruitment training business. And I spent the first couple of years doing that 
and working with businesses of all size across all sorts of industries, um, which was just a beautiful, beautiful introduction to working for myself and just, you know, that breadth of experience. I actually stepped away from that um, business. I actually sold that business to my business partner and decided to turn my hobby into a business, which is starting a yoga studio here in Brisbane. Wow. See, yeah. this is awesome. The stories that people get to this point is amazing. So, yeah. So, that was lovely. Um, that was lovely because I got to actually take all my training that I was teaching everybody else and actually apply that in my own very small business. And it really reiterated that everything I teach works in small growing businesses, even at that very micro startup level. Um, so it was a little bit challenging. I, I've got to be admit, I've got, I have to admit, um, you know, turning a hobby into a business has its pros and cons. And I had the yoga studio for five years and I actually sold it just as COVID hit because oh. I was about to have a baby. We we're all in lockdown and restrictions um, and I just decided to just step away from that and I was so delighted because I announced to my community that I was closing that business and by that afternoon a student had reached out to me and said no let me let me buy the business and so we started that process and so I guess whilst I had that yoga studio I never really stopped doing my HR consulting um, but I but I sort of properly focused back on it about like three years ago, but I've sort of been doing this coaching for about five years, but I've sort of properly looked at it again in the last two to three years after sort of closing the yoga studio. And as a, as a, as an entrepreneur who's had multiple businesses, um, I've really enjoyed just having one business to focus on. And that's what I've been doing really well for sort of the last two years. Oh, that's such a wonderful story. I love how you've pivoted. That's just incredible. And I really find even in myself, in all of the business experiences I've had, like I'm the same, I've had lots of different um, types of businesses, all different, you know, services, product, all sorts of different things. You just pull so much experience from each of them. And for you to have been in one side of it to like as a HR recruiter and, and, you know, working for the business owner and then to be the person that needs the recruiting and to get your own staff. It's awesome that you've had both of those experiences. I feel like that just gives you that next level of understanding, especially when you're talking to small business owners, because it's it's huge to even think about getting staff. And so that leads me, I guess, to, you know, the chunky bits of this conversation is where do we start? Like, how do we know as a small business owner, when is the right time to even think about outsourcing? Like as a business owner, we want to learn everything. We want to do everything ourselves. And I know this is, you know, your zone of genius. So where can we even start as a solo entrepreneur to think about that next level? Yeah, definitely. So a lot of people ask me, when is the right time to hire? And I guess if we sort of, we, we start there, a nice way to, to, to look for a rule you know, and, and you know, it is it is a little bit grey. Is when your wish list, sorry, when your to do list is turning into a wish list. So in other words, you're getting to that stage that. when your to do list is turning into a wish list. So you're getting to a stage where you wish you could get through all these things in the day and it's just not happening. What that says to you is, is that you've sort of got goals and aspirations for your business that is beyond you. 
And you're also not actually helping yourself very much from a mindset perspective going into your day with this huge long list of things to do, which are unrealistic. It's almost like you're setting yourself up for disappointment from the beginning of the day. So if you're facing that situation, you're not getting through all the things in your to-do list, or you've got that little sense of dread or disappointment where you're thinking, oh, I wish, I wish we could do more. I wish I could do more. I wish I could serve more. I wish I could get more happening. That's a really clear sign that it's time to hire. Because the reality is when we're growing our businesses and we, you know, every one of my clients and so many of the women I talk to are highly capable, amazing people. And I'm sure everybody that's listening to this falls into that category. But just because you can (laughs) do all the things doesn't actually mean that you should. And you'll reach a point in your business and you're probably getting close to it now where you're simply going to run out of time. You know, your, your capacity will, will cap out and then it's time to make a choice. Am I happy at this current state? Am I happy at this current stage of business? Am I happy at this revenue level um, because I've run out of capacity? Or do I want to have a bigger business? Do I want to grow? In which case, it's time then to look at bringing support in. And then how do we even think about what support is the right support? Yeah. So, great, great question. (laughs) You get to do two things. You get to think about what do I want to be doing and what don't I want to be doing? Now, you get to really, and this takes a bit of work. I might have to take your your shoes off and and put your feet on the grass and ground down and, you know, just really like ponder this question and, and, you know, close your eyes and think, if, if I was living my dream life in my dream business, what would be the things that I am doing? And what would be the things that I'm not doing? And that that is a real process. And also looking at your business workflow and deciding, well, what are the parts that I need to be doing to maintain a certain customer experience, to maintain, you know, a service level, for example? Like what parts actually does it not matter if somebody else does? Yeah. You know, opening the mail, checking your inbox, there's all sorts of things that the person on the other end doesn't realize if it's you or not. And what are the parts that it has to be you doing? And maybe that's, you know, going to networking events. Maybe that's doing, you know, being the face of social media and doing, you know, or maybe it's the customer or the client delivery. So there's really clear things that only you can do in your business. And there, and there's lots of things that it probably doesn't matter if it's not you doing. So that's two things to think about. What do you want to do and don't want to do? And then separately, what is it essential to your business that you keep doing? And then so if you if you work from those two questions or those two statements, you'll eventually start to form a list. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the basis of, well, this is my potential to hand over tasks. And then it's a matter of looking at them and thinking, well, do I need, can I teach somebody else how to do these things? Are they things that I do all the time? Or would I need to bring someone in who's done this before, for example? And when you sit with questions like that, your, 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 your stomach, your gut will start to give you some indication of, oh, that feels scary or, oh, that feels safe. I'd like it if somebody did the bookkeeping, has done bookkeeping before. I don't want to have to teach them how to do, you know, zero, for example. Like you'll start to get these pulls, which will then start to form what support could look like for you in your business. Oh, that's such a great answer. I really, really love that. And that's definitely, it's funny that you talk about, you know, what's your ultimate day look like? That's a whole, in when I first meet my clients up, that's one thing that we sit down and we spend a good couple of hours doing this. Like, what is your dream day? And what does it look like from when you wake up in the morning 
to when you go to bed at night. And it's amazing how many tasks that we do that, as you say, aren't even necessary or the things that we shouldn't be doing. So I love that you say that if the customer on the other end, that's a really great way to think about it. If the customer on the other end doesn't know if it's you or somebody else, that's probably something you can outsource. And I love that. That's a really Mm -hmm. great way of looking at it. So in saying that, where do we start? I've got like two different directions I'm going to go with this. But the first direction is where do we even start looking for the right people? Like what's what would be the way that you would think of, um, you know, old school recruitment companies back in the time? But I know we're in a different era now. So where do people even start looking for the type of people they need to help? Yeah, well, it does 100% depend on the type of person you're looking to hire. And we need to think of this the same way we think about our sales and marketing. So if we create a picture, not only in our mind, but down on paper of what this person looks like, what are they going to be doing? How do they go about their job? How are they interacting with me? And how does that make me feel? Then we're going to start to create a really clear picture of what the person looks like. So, are they somebody who's coming to my office to sit next to me? Are they a a truck driver who is coming to visit my warehouse, picking the things up and then driving away? Is it a remote-based assistant where it doesn't actually matter where they work? So, as you start to really get clear on what they're going to be doing, how you want them to work with you, then a picture starts to form. Then it's a matter of thinking, well, where does that person hang out? that I can start to have a conversation with them about my potential amazing job. So as a very broad sweeping statement, social media is a hugely powerful and free platform that for 70 to 80% of the roles does an amazing job these days. But that said, if you're hiring, you know, if, if you're the sort of business and you've got a little warehouse or you're packing and you have people, you know, you're, you're sending things from your house, for example, then perhaps it's actually, you know, a courier or somebody else that you need to come and help you or they're driving around, et cetera etc. And maybe somebody like that might actually be better placed, you know, in a local advertisement, for example. So, yes, in the in the olden days when <laughs> I was a corporate recruiter, we all used to automatically go to recruitment houses, recruitment firms, because they had a database which was so powerful and we wanted to tap into that. And they often did the advertising for us. Now, the starting point is a beautiful, well-written job advertisement that describes what you're looking for and what it's like to work with you. And it's placing that on all your social media channels and in social media groups. That's your starting point for inviting that person into your world. Mm, Great answer. I love that so much. So again, as you said, get really clear on who you want (laughs) and write that down. That's, That's wonderful. So what do you say to people that are solopreneurs? Maybe they've either just started out and not really like obviously it's not about the time it's about how many tasks you've got and how quickly your business grows but what what do you say to people that say i can't afford to outsource yeah how can i i can't make enough money for myself let alone employing someone how what's your answer to that it's a really great question and it's and I think if we're honest, the thought passes through every single one of our brains. So I say we as an, you know, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I, so I've definitely had that thought. I know that everybody has it. So I guess normalizing it like every other cost or spend that you're weighing up in your business. And I want to answer this in a few different ways. You can view it as a cost or you can view it as an investment. Yes. If we view it as an investment, we start to shift our brain to what return can I expect on this investment? 
and a really practical way to to apply that thinking when it comes to hiring a team member is to is to use the statement or the the sentence if only i didn't have to do x then finally i could get on with what mm. So what that does is that shifts your brain to thinking about what activities would I get on with if I didn't have to do the bookkeeping, the reconciliation, whatever, the checking my emails. And then if your brain moves to a revenue generating activity, such as marketing, such as networking, whatever it is, then suddenly you've got a link to where your return on investment might be coming from. So if I spend $30 or $40 an hour here, then potentially I can generate two, three, $400 an hour here. So that's one way that we can think of it. Another way that we can think of it is to think of if only I knew how to do X or if only the business knew how to do X, then finally we'd be able to get on with Y. So, for example, if only I knew how to build a membership site, if only I knew how to set up you know, automated email campaigns, then we wouldn't be you know, doing so many manual emails or I'd finally be able to sell this extra product, et cetera, et cetera. And again, you're then able to look at the spend versus the potential return. So, looking at it as a cost versus investment and then looking at it from the perspective of what can you do or what can they do or what can be done with what they're doing to generate revenue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, I only sent an email out recently to my my list about doing this and how even outsourcing home tasks, like, it, you know, that if you even just... That first investment and thinking of it as an investment in a home task, like I remember saying to my husband, how about I send you an invoice for cleaning the house based on my time? And, <laughs> and you know, I sent him an invoice for $1,000. He's like, what? And I said, yeah, see, I could get a cleaner for 90. So which one would you prefer? Because, and if you start to think of it like that, like while you have a cleaner in the house, how many income generating tasks can you do in that two hours that she's cleaning the house like i love that did you yeah. send in the invoice oh, i could do that myself <laughs> love yeah, it yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing how something as small as that getting a just a person even in your house something that you don't like doing anymore and then all of a sudden you get this like oh my goodness look how much mm -hmm. i earned while she was doing that and then you can it's like little baby steps so then you think about okay well if i got a va to empty my email box what's she like i don't know 40 bucks an hour or whatever it is how much could i then make in that same time and and i think when you really start to look at it like that it does really change the way you think about it and i definitely investment rather than cost and how much you can grow when you do get that help. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. That's such a great way to look at it. So, do you find there's any real barriers that you come up against with entrepreneurs with starting this process of getting team members? Like, you know, a lot of any mindset shifts that people have to go through, like we talked about a few there, but is there anything else that you see pop up when you talk to entrepreneurs about this experience, getting new team members? Yes. <laughs> Letting go of control. Yes. It's a big one. That it's was the one, one I was looking for. Yes, hands up if you yep. if you like to be in control. Yep, two um, hands up right now. Two hands up, we're <laughs> over here too. Um, so we're, particularly in the early stages of our business, when we're in that hustle mode, what we also don't realise is that we're also fully in control of all the things. We set our own deadlines. If we miss a deadline, we make that decision ourselves um, or we make sure deadlines never missed because we're working and doing what it takes to make it happen, et cetera, et cetera. So, bringing other people in to support us 
it's tricky because suddenly we can't keep our fingers in all the pies or we don't have quite as much control over every single little detail. And there's an art to letting go of control whilst feeling like you are still in control. And that's something that, first of all, we need to realise is possible and then get comfortable with. And one of the things that I do with my clients is take them through a process of thinking about, well, if I was to hand over to you, if I was to hand over to somebody a a task, so say my social media management, what are all the things that could possibly go wrong there? And based on those feelings and thoughts and that perceived risk that comes up, where can I put control or checkpoints in to make sure that there are certain parts of that process that I'm still reviewing or involved in, but I'm no longer doing all of the thing? Oh, that's a great way to look at it. So, for example, if we take social media and we run with that example, you know, there's so many different elements to it. It's writing the caption, you know, either creating the image or finding an image, um, deciding when you're going to post it, scheduling it, going in and checking that it looks good, and then maybe going and addressing with comments, for example, or, or acknowledging comments. So, what parts of that whole workflow is it possible for somebody else to do and what would be the control points? So, in my business, for example, my amazing virtual assistant will create images. She, If she's posting photos of me, she pulls from a folder which has been pre-approved of photos <laughs> that are okay to go. Um, so, that's, that's a control thing for me, for example. Um, so, she creates the images. She'll draft up the, the captions, but it can't get posted until I've put eyes over it. So, that's the first control point. I review it. And then once I have made any amendments or given it the okay, she schedules it, she checks it, and she does all the rest of it, and that's great. So you can see that by me sitting back and thinking, well, where where am I potentially concerned? I'm potentially concerned that some words going out that don't sound like me. I'm potentially concerned, you know, about a photo being posted that I'm not comfortable with. There are ways that I can stay in control while actually letting go of control of the whole thing. Mm, such great advice. I really, really like that. So just getting clear of your checkpoints. <laughs> Absolutely. And and those checkpoints might change over the time period of somebody actually working with you as well. When somebody first joins your business, you might want to be checking every single step. Um, and then after a while, which is definitely where I am now, I'm, I'm not as worried because I'm confident that, you know, the way she writes things and everything, it's great. So, um, and she doesn't write all my social posts, but there are little ones, particularly when it comes to repurposing, where she can actually, you know, grab something I've already said, write a few sentences and out it can go without me having to double check it. So if you're thinking about or that mindset shift from I can't keep, and it's also a decision. You have to decide I can't keep trying to do all the things if I want to grow. So how can I move to this next stage and still feel safe but let go of some of the little things? Mm, such good advice. I love that. And so, is there anything else? Control was a big one. <laughs> what else can you think of that entrepreneurs come up against? I think it, I think definitely investing the money, as you spoke about, and I think just understanding that we do actually need to invest to grow. Um, and I'm using that language on purpose, invest rather than, you know, increasing your cost base. We do need to invest to grow. Um, you know, the, the mindset shift of letting go of control and then you know, accepting that mistakes will happen as well and that what we can't expect is someone to come in and be a mini-me. Yeah. So, you know, I think every single person I talk to starts off wishing or hoping that they can get the unicorn 
And that is the person who's going to do it exactly like them in the, you know, in, in the exact same way. But actually what we need to shift our thinking to is how do I get to the same result? And if you do it a slightly different way, but we get there anyway, that's okay. Mm, good one. Yeah, I really like that. That's <laughs> so important. I'm just sitting here. My my brain is ticking like, okay, so I need a VA and I need a... <laughs> it's all... And, and I, think when you, I think when you are looking for that first support person, the easiest thing to always hand over are actually any repeatable tasks that you yourself are doing regularly. Because whilst you can't replicate yourself the easiest thing to hand over is something with really specific instructions as to how to do it, which might be reconciling your things in zero, entering bills. It might be, you know, answering certain customer inquiries or emails that come in in a certain way. You know, there's little things. So, think to yourself, what do I do every day or every week or every month that I do over and over again? I could probably do with my eyes closed. Next time you do it, record a little screen, record your screen, and suddenly you've got this really easy, you know, piece of training material where you can say to somebody, just do it like this. Don't think, don't change anything. Just do it like this. That's the easiest first step you can take. And typically that is some sort of assistant, whether it's an administration assistant that works with you or a virtual assistant that will work with you remotely. Handing over some of those repeatable tasks first up is a really lovely way to to step your toe in the water. And then from there, you can then get comfortable and start to think of some more, you know, creative or um, less prescriptive roles or tasks in your business that you can hand over to somebody. Oh, I love that. I love the idea of recording things and then it's there. So, when you are ready, you've got that straight away, that information. Because I do find um, a lot of people and myself included, we can get into that whole trap of um, it's just quicker if I do it myself. I don't have time to show someone. uh, I'll just do it. Next thing you know, it's another six months have passed because you didn't take that time to just take that leap. And and that is a really great way to think to do it. Just I'll just hit screen record while I'm doing this. And then when I am ready, I've already got that information sitting there. I know what I can do. And it will take, you know, only a couple of days to train someone up rather than this massive thing that we feel like it's going to be like getting somebody into your business. It it can feel hard. It can feel like it'd just be quicker if I just do it myself. Absolutely. And when you invite, when somebody starts with you in your business, you absolutely don't want it to feel like, oh, now I've got this new job to do, which is actually training somebody. So, you can build that library in advance with as many little explanation videos and things like that. A, the next person can can watch them as well, but also you're able to still get on with your own job and they're learning and then you come together to set time to discuss, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And you almost can have a reference point Like, oh, that's recorded on that Google Drive. Just go and watch it. Like, how do I do this instead of always being interrupted? I I think that's genius. That has just absolutely given me so much hope that if I just start recording slowly over the next, you know, couple of months or couple of weeks, whatever it is, it is going to remove that overwhelm of I don't want another job teaching somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. That's gold. (laughs) Love it. All right. And any other gold wisdom you can share with um, listeners today? Hire before you think you're ready. Mm, Start the process before you feel like you really need it because most of us, by the time we realise it's it's necessary, that means we're stressed, we're overwhelmed and we're at some sort of 
peak point that maybe is going to break. And that is not a great time to make any decisions because we don't have any space. So what you're talking about, Liz, is perfect. Start the process now. Start recording, start thinking, and like just take a baby step forward, even if it's just a mental one at this stage, to Hmm, if I was to hand something over, what would I hand over? Oh, maybe I'd hand over this reconciling in zero. Okay, let's see if I could actually explain it to somebody. Oh, I'm going to just talk to myself and, and, and you know, record the screen. Oh, okay, that actually feels like it's that's doable. Oh, okay, suddenly I'm going to do that. And then even after a week of you just reminding yourself to do that every day, you'll have five tasks that you want to hand to somebody. And then you get to look at that and think, oh, life actually would be a little bit easier if I didn't have to do that. That's the time to actually start to move the process forward. So you can take your time. So you can write a beautiful advertisement, you know, put it out there on social media, wait for a a lovely bundle of beautiful people to apply and not feel like you're rushed, not feel like you're ever having to choose the best of a bad bunch um, and actually just take your time and make a really great decision with confidence that is for the long term and that you feel really confident about. Because when people join your business, it's never perfect. It's never perfect. They're human. You're human. There will be assumptions made along the way and things will feel a little bit hairy at some stage. And it's the time you've taken and the confidence that sits behind your hiring decision that will make or break those difficult conversations that you need to have. So if you've hired when you're stressed, busy, and you've gone, you'll do, plug them into your business, thrown some things at them, and it's not going to plan, you haven't built any sort of relationship, you haven't got any foundations to reflect on, and you'll find yourself probably back at square one. Whereas if you really think about it, take your time, have as many conversations as you need to with as many people to feel really confident, and then you go into it having had really great, clear conversations, then if something feels a little bit hairy or a little bit weird or you did it like this and that's not quite what I was looking for, then you get to come at that conversation from curiosity rather than furiosity and be like, oh, why did you like that? Okay, because we're not in that pressure, pressure pot situation of having left it all too late. Mm, that is just brilliant advice. I absolutely love that. That is so good. And yeah, hire before you're ready. Absolutely. Because you're only going to grow and get better and get busier and doing it now when things are, you know, baby <laughs> in yep. the beginning is is such a great way to look at it. And and I love the the thought of doing things without pressure. I mean, we all a lot of us uh, respond under pressure, but that's not the sort of thing that you want to. Like you don't want to be desperate for a person and then, as you say, take the wrong person because mm-hmm. that can even – that becomes even more stressful. So what do you say to people that – like I know we've talked about giving up control, but also those people that have never had any type of management experience and how do they overcome maybe even the imposter syndrome when it, when it comes? Like um, how do they – how did they take that little leap of I'm not going, I have to become a boss, you know, like I have to be the boss of this person now when they've never really had that experience or they've never wanted to and they've never really, you know, they never wanted to be a manager. So how do the people, how do you get over that little mindset shift? Yeah. Great question. First of all, we just need to decide. We need to decide <laughs> that I'm I, I'm okay. I can be a boss, Yeah. Um, it, you know, in my imperfect perfect way. 
I can, I can be this person. So it's available to everybody being a great leader. And I, part of my coaching when I work with clients is I've got a six pillar framework for building awesome teams. And the first pillar is authentic leadership. And that is leading in a way that feels great to you, knowing you're on a leading journey and leading from the heart. So many of us can just choose to be that. That's the first step is that sort of that choice. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do this. The second biggest thing is getting really clear on what you're actually looking for and learning the art of setting and articulating your expectations in a really clear way. Now, for many females, for many of us, asking for help, asking for support, being really clear doesn't actually come naturally to us. So we need to learn how to do it. And it's definitely something that I work with lots of clients on. And, you know, it is often for many of us something we need to learn. How do we ask and set high expectations without feeling mean? Um, you know, how do I, because many of us worry about, you know, their home situation, their boundaries, loading them up with work, et cetera, et cetera. And often we overthink, you know, the process as well when we are leading somebody else, but getting really clear on actually what we want them to do getting really specific about it and telling the person in a really empowering way. And when it's not quite going to plan, learning how to have a conversation from that place of curiosity to explore, hmm, well, why did this not quite go to plan? And it's, it's learning how to lead. So deciding it's possible to answer your question, deciding it's possible, deciding you want to be a great leader, and then just learning the elements of leadership that are new to you. Mm, great, great advice. I love that. <laughs> so important. And everything starts with just making a decision, doesn't it? Mm. Everything we do, just make the decision to do it, learn how to do it and be okay with making pivots and changes. And if it didn't work this way, then being okay with, I, I don't like the word failure at all, but I, I like to think of it as a lesson. So mm. Just being okay with it, knowing that you don't have to be perfect and being honest with the person even that you're hiring. This is, you're my first hire. I think, you know, being who we are and authentic is so, so valuable. Absolutely. And really creating that relationship with the person of an open, transparent conversations. So, you know, I'm working this out as well. You know, if I do something that doesn't feel great to you, let me know. I'll let you know if you've done something that doesn't feel quite right, you know, just coming up with those little agreements as well and then just doing your best to articulate it. And if it is starting to feel particularly tricky or if you're wanting to head off at getting tricky, then then investing in, in learning how to be a leader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This has been such a great conversation. And I know that you have just got this wealth of knowledge that people can tap into. So tell me, Paula, where can people get hold of you? Where can they start to learn how to be a great leader? Because I know this is your expertise and you just have so much information to provide. So where can us entrepreneurs find you? Well, you can come over and have a chat to me on Instagram. I'm at Paula Maidens Consulting over there. And or if you're looking to take the leap into hiring, I've got a really great little hiring checklist over at paulamains.com forward slash hiring hyphen checklist. And um, that gives you literally a checklist of all the things you need to think about before you're looking to hire. So you can come and grab that and sort of start the process. Um, and I've got also got lots of little self-paced courses. One's called the Fundamentals of Leadership, Interviewing Masterclass, and little bits and pieces where you can learn what feels relevant to you based on the stage you're at. So come over and check it all out, but come and have a have, say hello, reach out to me in the DMs over on Instagram. I'm always hanging out there. That's definitely a good place. 
Yeah, fantastic. And I will put all of those links in the show notes because especially that checklist, that sounds amazing. And um, your little courses, I love the idea of those as well. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been a beautiful conversation. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time and sharing all of your knowledge with us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you again for listening to yet another episode of the Boss Motive Podcast. I hope these episodes are really helping you towards building a successful business and a life that you love. If you enjoyed this episode, please jump over and leave me a review because that is going to help me get these episodes out to more people. And of course, I love to see you on Instagram. So please tag me at Boss Motive and let me know if these episodes are resonating with you or if there's something that you would love to hear. I look forward to being back in your ear again next week. Thanks again.